You're tuning in to Missouri NEA Connects, a podcast to focus on all things Missouri education, from policy to practice, so that each of us can unite, inspire, and lead from where we are. We're happy you're here. Three weeks ago, we introduced MNEA President Phil Murray, and this week we are introducing MNEA Vice President Rebecca McIntosh. I'm really excited for you to hear this delightful conversation. Who is Rebecca McIntosh? Tell us about yourself and how you got where you are today. Thanks, Samantha. I am Rebecca McIntosh. It's my privilege to serve as Missouri NEA's vice president. I've just started my second term as vice president. We, uh, Phil Murray, president of MNEA, and I started our first term together in 2019. Um, but prior to this, I was an alternative school educator in the Grandview School District. Prior to that, kindergarten teacher. Uh, prior to that, parent educator at Grandview. I spent 25 years in the Grandview School District. Prior to that, I worked in the foster care system in Kansas City. I've also worked for the uh, Walt Disney Company. I was a personnel trainer and worked for Walt Disney and did adult education with Disney and kind of came to that, came to Disney via um, my new college teacher education degree from Kentucky. I was, I grew up in Kentucky and did my teacher prep there and then came to Missouri, the only state in the nation at the time that had a teacher surplus, couldn't get a job and did some other things. And that's how I kind of came to education in Missouri that way. It was a, a crooked road, but landed in the right spot. Hey, well, I'm happy that you landed here because it's such a bright spot in my day when I get to talk to you. Uh, you're very um, kind. You're very good. You always put a smile on my face. I feel like I'm always laughing when I get to talk to you. I get that a lot. I got that with kindergarten a lot. See, I did parents as teachers and did preschool, early childhood for a while, and then ended up in kindergarten for ages. And when Grandview developed their alternative school program, I led the campaign against the elementary program and mm. was just, I was the activist that said, you cannot have an alternative elementary program and thought it was just a horrible thing to do for kids K through K through five. Um, before I learned about what that could be and before some people taught me what that looked like, I just didn't know about alternative education. And right. then, and then after Grandview wisely put that program in place and had the resources to do it, I said, you have to hire me to do it because nobody else can do it. And so then I ended my career and did that for 15 years because alternative ed is the way to go. I think everybody should have alternative ed. Well, why don't you describe your role at MNEA? As someone who was a CMNEA member at Columbia Public Schools, I, and now I have this job, I didn't fully appreciate the structure that we have here at MNEA. So I think it would just be great to introduce, we now know who you are a little bit. We'll learn as we go. We'll just, I want you to describe your role. What is the day in the life of MNEA VP look like for you? Just Give me an overview. The vice president is charged with, in Missouri NEA, um, a couple of things just by our structure. By Our governance structure puts uh, the vice president in charge of the budget process. So I am deep in the middle of the Missouri NEA budget process, and I work with our uh, most excellent and more qualified staff to work on budget. So I work the governance side of that. I take the input from our members and our work with several committees on how we, we manage our finance and 
um, allocate our resources to support our members. So we're doing budget right now. Phil and I are also gearing up to work on the Read Across Missouri tour. We're going to be traveling around the state to be in classrooms, uh, working on our reading initiatives around the state. And that's always a lot of fun for us to get back in buildings. Also was a real adventure over COVID because you just cannot connect with people over Zoom to read with, you know, the kids are like, who is this big, strange talking head? But, you know, that was just bizarre. But it's a lot it's a lot more fun to do that in, in person. Um, the Missouri NEA vice president is also charged with all of the governing documents. So I in, in a wonky kind of way, I'm really excited about that. I really enjoy the policymaking. I like the bylaws. I like the Constitution. I like that kind of, of, of work. So I'm, I've done a lot of work um, cleaning up our documents over COVID. I was able to align all those documents. And then I work with local associations around the state to get their documents, their governing documents in, in order and updated and keep them in line. Um, and that appeals to me because as an alternative educator and as a kindergarten teacher, the rules control the fun because you got to follow the rules. And so those, those structural documents help us keep those, those, um, the rules in place for us. So that's kind of a wonky policy thing I get to do. Um, just today, I've talked to some members about what's going on in their classrooms. I call and ask some questions. Phil and I have talked already this morning about future planning, what's going on at, at the Representative Assembly, what's coming at the summer summer leadership. Just it's A lot of it is kind of whack-a-mole as questions come in, what's going on. Um, a lot of it, you try to be purposeful, the, you know, the issues and the planning. Um, Phil generally talks me down whatever happened at the legislature the day before. I tend to be somewhat reactive with what's going on across the street in Jeff City. Um, and, and we just do a, a lot of member support, take the questions, take the calls, answer all the emails, people reach out. I love that about Missouri NEA in that our members do just send an email. They know that they, they have access to us if they have a question or a concern or a need. So they will just shoot an email and they will say, I need this or my principal did that or I've got a kid who needs this, or do you know a book about such? And, and it can be so random. And I love that. I love the randomness of it. And it's usually around noon or so until I actually get to my to-do list and say, these are the things I actually have to do. You're so well-traveled and have a lot of really unique experiences in your role as VP. What do you think is the best resource or advice out there for practicing teachers today? I can I relate it to I want to that's a great question because I was thinking about this in the car. This is a hard question, but I think we have to relate it there because you have also another question in your list about what's the hardest for teachers right now. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest things I'm going to start there and then circle back around. Okay. Because I think one of the hardest things for educators right now, no matter where you are in the on the continuum, early childhood Mm -hmm. through higher ed, um, preschool through higher ed. Is, is that external, those external influencers that are, that are encroaching, that are just encroaching. And that could be legislative, that could be media, that could be social media, that could be the parent, that could be, you know, that could be the dean, that could be anybody. But all of those external influencers that are coming into your classroom, um, and those are, you know, the, the socioeconomic things that your kids are bringing in, all of that stuff that's getting in the way of the work you're trying to do. And the work you were trying to do that you didn't get done yesterday because the other stuff got in the way. And so that snowball effect that continues to happen, that's always happened, but yeah. it just seems so that that burden is so much heavier. I think now the needs are yeah. the needs are greater. The needs are greater. Do you think that the needs have always been there 
we are just now more aware of them? I do. I do. Because as we've gotten better at it and better tuned into the frequencies, I think we're hearing more of the messages. And so our responses to those messages aren't as as precise as they should be. Um, and so we're in that that transition time. And and I don't like to I don't like to blame it all on pandemic. It was there pre-pandemic. We were talking disruptive learning. We were talking student need before pandemic. That was there before. We were talking, you know, socio we were talking racial and social justice before. It was all there before. We in in education circles were talking about it. Now everyone else is aware. All those years we wanted people's attention and help. Well, now we've got it. Everybody's paying attention now. Um, so you better know what you're talking about and you better know what you're asking for and how to, how to use the help you're about to get. Um, so, you know, that's for better or worse. That's, that's, we're struggling with it. We're struggling with the attention. We, you know, some of it's not good. Some of it is. So while that's like one of the hardest things for educators right now, what do you think the best resource or advice is for that, for that problem? At the risk of, at the risk of, of the cliche is, is to keep your eye on the why, to not lose sight of the work of, of, gosh, I can't believe I said it, but I did say it. I really did because the kernel, the kernel is, is the right kernel. It really is. And there's, there's not another way to say it. At the end of the day, you've got to go in, you close your door and look at that group of faces in front of you and say, okay, what do I want to say? And you've got to have that relationship with those people in front of you, those, those tiny humans in front of you. Sometimes they're bigger than you are, those humans in front of you, and say, okay, we have a relationship. What are we going to communicate about today? Whatever that is, because you've got to get from 10 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We've got to, we've got to bridge that gap somehow, no matter what's happening around us outside. So I, I think you've got to get that kernel of the day. You've got to get that relationship that message, whatever you're doing from A to B, that has to stay intact. Um, and you have to find some way to, to get that to happen. Um, that has to be, and if you're not getting positive feedback for yourself that way, that has, that you've got to find a way to, for that to keep feeding you one way or the other. That has to be the positive one way or the other. And then, and to deal with the externals, you know, somehow, somehow and find the support. Um, one of the hardest things about being, here in this position has been that lack of collegial, that teamwork around. You're not in a building of faculty. I've noticed that. That happened over COVID. That happened even now. Um, and so I think educators have to lean on that. So you have to go across the hall and just sit with another person who's doing the work that you are doing. Um, don't, I, don't isolate yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that has to be, you've got to find one that you can just sit with. What do you think is the greatest hope for K through 12 education and K through 12 educators? Greatest hope. Well, I think the hope is that it endures. It is, it is, fu- it is fundamental. It endures. Um, it, the, the, the small neighborhood community school, the mm-hmm. local schoolhouse, it is, is unbelievably immune to the, the storm that swirls around it in the media, in the newspaper, in the news. Um, we will always have PTA bake sales. We will always have fifth grade music performances. We will always have bad middle school band performances. Football will happen Friday nights. It is too fundamental to 
I'm going to go big to democracy, to our citizen and society, to growing good members of society. It is just fundamental to who we are. It is where we gather our young people together to teach them who we are. It's where we bring in our immigrant families. It's where we bring in the the, the small ones that need extra care. It's yeah. where we gather as a community um, to share what is important to us. It's just, it, it will endure. We did it. We do it in the cities. We do it in the, we did it in the prairies. We found places to do it in the mountains. Wherever we have gathered people together, we have found a way to educate. And so I, I think it will endure no matter what, I think it will change. It will not look like it looks now. It won't look like it looked like when I went, it won't look like I went, it looked for our parents. I think that's what's hard for people because it doesn't look the same as what we remember. It doesn't feel the same. Um, you know, it, it, and I think that's what makes it hard for people. I think we have to be open to those changes. I think we have to anticipate them as much as we can. Um, I think that's the really uncomfortable piece. But some way or some, I mean, it's always going to be there. We will always need to bring that next group along and let them know what we think is important and know what and find out what they think is important, you know, to get them ready for what they think is important. Um, it's how you transfer. It's, it's the osmosis piece. It's, it'll always be there. That can't happen in isolation. It, that, ha that connection has to happen no matter what it looks like, whether if we're all sitting in a room together or if that happens electronically or some hybrid part of that you know they they will gather under a tree or in a room somewhere mm -hmm. i love what you said about it's hard for people because it doesn't look the same yeah i always yeah. i always come back to like i don't know if and this is probably my journey and my own personal therapy <laughs> so it's probably like i always think of that emotions wheel mm -hmm. do you have you heard of that I know yeah, the mm -hmm. wheel of emotions and like that uncomfortable and where that drills down to is probably fear mm -hmm. and the fear of, I, well, we know that this works, so we're, we want to stick with what we know. And yeah. And so whenever they see something new, like it might be going for the same goal of gathering, of enduring, but, or of that community piece, but it just might look different and that's okay. And I wonder if we, how do we sit with that? feeling of being uncomfortable and know that it will be okay. Um, I think about that a lot with my kids whenever I'm like, you guys are so young and, and like not only my own, oh, my biological children, but my kids that are still in high school right now, my kids. And I think about them and I'm like, they're think of all the great things they're going to do. And it's going to be so different. And that's, and that's so cool that we don't even know about. Yes. You know, that we're going to be yes. those people that they look at and think, how did you manage? Think of your favorite memory in the K through 12 classroom as a student or teacher. What about that memory is so lasting for you? Why do you think that is? Mm, as a student, it's going to be, uh, see, I'm, I was a school family. Mom worked at school. She was a school secretary. So we had all the behind the scenes action at school. We were allowed the run of the building, elementary school. So my, all of my favorite school memories were like behind the scenes in the office. We got to be there after hours. We were in the bookstore with all this. My love of school supplies comes from being in the bookstore. So yeah, yeah. My, my, just the, 
just the sights and smells and secrets of school. We, you know, I got to hold bulletin boards because we were there before or after. I got to unpack and be in the cafeteria. So it was just the geography. That's student-wise. Not very academic-oriented. No. No, it was just being in the building and being in the culture. And we got to go to the teacher meetings and sit with mom. You know, we just knew the, the teacher secrets. You know, the, the classroom stuff is, uh, you know, the teacher moments, just the laughing with, you know, the, the kid that finally that gets the joke, that gets my stupid joke, or that laughs when I fall down. I, I'm notoriously clumsy. Watching me fall was their favorite thing. So watching my mistakes was their favorite thing. And those were great moments for me because I could connect with them. Dance parties. I was famous for dance parties. And those, just those human moments with, with my classes were the best ones. Last question. What is something that you are grateful for right now? Right now? Well, this has been fun today. I'm grateful I got to do this today. So that was fun. So, um, uh, well, let's let's end where we started, and I'm I'm grateful for the variety of what we get to do. I am grateful that I get to come and do some kind of crazy stuff every day. You never know. You know, some days you know I'm going to come in, I'm going to spend the day writing bylaws, but some days you just never know who's going to call or what the email's going to be, or the Phil's going to call me in and say, "Okay, I've got this idea." You know, you just never know what what that's gonna that's going to be, and that's really neat. You never know what what is going to pop up in a local. You never know what what a member emergency is going to be. And you don't want members to be in crisis. You don't want those emergencies to happen. But that's the nature of our business. I mean, that's the nature of a, of a, of a labor union. People are going to need assistance. And so, you, you know, you kind of wait for that to come up and you, you know, you want to respond to it. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the, the fact that and I've kind of gone in this place working on the 50th anniversary lately. You know, there were some really smart people that put some really good things together that I get to do this 50 years later. Um, with, they've put some really good things in place for us to be able to do this now, you know, that's, that's still relevant. You know, it's still relevant now. You know, you just get caught with these moments of, I don't know that I'd have the foresight. I don't, I don't have ideas now that will be relevant 50 years from now. I promise you that. I, I do not have that kind of thinking. And they did. These, these educators did. And so it's, it's amazing. And I'm grateful for that. And that wraps up our first eight weeks of MNEA Connects. How exciting that we're already eight weeks in. I am looking forward to the interviews that are coming. I'm looking at interviewing a few more MNEA staff members. I'm looking at interviewing some of our board of directors, especially as I'm waiting for those RFPs to come in. I've got some in the works and I'm super excited to hear member voices at the center of this platform. Every month I will still be releasing the MNEA state board report and also Otto's legislative update through May. And Please make sure you're checking out those RFPs if you have something that you would like to say. I am so excited to share this platform with all MNEA members. Be sure to tune in on the week of March 6th for MNEA's Missouri State Board of Education report. We'll see you in a few weeks.